This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. This series of Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, is brought to you by Smart Nutrition MAP plus MST. Experience the latest, most efficient fertilizer system for delivering sulfur and phosphate to your crops when they need it. Learn how to boost your soil's performance and maximize ROI with Smart Nutrition MAP plus MST at smartnutritionmst.com. Hi, my name is Alex Bernard, Associate Editor for Top Crop Manager, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Christy Preston, Senior Agronomist for Nutrien. Hi, Christy, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Alex. How are you? Good, thank you. So let's jump right in on it. Today we're talking about sulfur and specifically sulfur deficiency. So sulfur seems to be becoming more popular in nutrient management plants. Why are we seeing more sulfur deficiency? That's actually a great question and a great topic. We're seeing more and more sulfur deficiency because historically farmers haven't been applying sulfur as part of their nutrient management plan. And with higher yields, we're seeing higher and higher amounts of sulfur that are being removed. So the Clean Air Act from 1970, which I think was also recently updated, kind of reduced the amount of emissions from a lot of our manufacturing processes. And this has resulted in a decrease in the amount of sulfur deposited through acid rain. Now, if we think about the U.S., the majority of this acid rain had deposited a lot of sulfur, you know, around the Great Lakes and much of the eastern and mid Corn Belt. And that sulfur that was deposited was enough to maximize crop production a lot in a lot of areas. So without the acid rain, without the sulfur deposition, we're seeing more and more sulfur deficiency symptoms. Okay. So what is a good way to determine if a field is suffering from sulfur deficiency? Now, sulfur deficiency looks a lot like nitrogen deficiency in the field, especially early in the growing season. So when plants are small and chlorotic or have this yellow look to them, a lot of times farmers think, I mean, traditionally they've thought nitrogen, that's what's most limiting. But in fact, if we think about how these nutrients move within the plant or don't move for a matter of fact, nitrogen is mobile. So if we think about a corn plant at the end of the year, the lower leaves fired, that's because nitrogen is mobile within the plant. So it's translocated to those newer growing portions. The ones that are higher up, the ones that we think about are actually doing the photosynthesis. That's where we want our nutrients. Sulfur, on the other hand, is not mobile within the plant. So that means that once sulfur is taken up and it's assimilated into organic matter, it's not necessarily translocated. And so later on in the growing season, we might potentially see sulfur deficiency in those younger growing portions or the ones that are most newly developed. Now, there are ways by taking tissue samples and soil samples to determine if it is sulfur deficiency. I like to say if you've got a field and you've got a a low depression or a high depression that is chlorotic, you know, take a good soil sample from there and mix it together, make it 
a composite sample, then take a sample from the bad area and mix it together as a composite. And then also take tissue samples from both areas. You can do a comparative analysis to see if it is sulfur deficiency. Is there a decline in soil test sulfur as there is in phosphorus and potassium? Yes. Now, even though there's not really a good soil test for sulfur, and that is mainly due to the fact that sulfur is mobile within the soil, which means it moves with high rainfall events, whether that is precipitation or irrigation. And that also depends on the, the soil texture. So of course, textured soils carry a high potential for sulfate leaching, low organic matter soils as well. And so since that is the case, there's not really a good soil test, but we do see more and more farmers actually analyzing their, their soil for sulfur because there are some universities like here in Kansas that have some recommendations on sulfur applications using that soil test. But overall, we are seeing a decline in soil test sulfur over the years. And again, that's mainly due to uh, decreased acid rain and also due to decreased application rates for farmers with high removal. And then also the third big reason is we've actually purified a lot of our fertilizer products to not contain as much sulfur. Okay. So can soil test sulfur be used for determining rates? Again, there's not really a good correlation between a soil test sulfur and crop response. And a lot of times that has to deal with your soil characteristics. Like I mentioned, coarse textured soils carry a higher potential for sulfate leaching and a soil test is a snapshot of what's available at that time. Now, like I mentioned here in Kansas, the soil test recommendations for sulfur are to take a profile sample or to go from zero to 24 inches deep. Once you get to that depth, there's potential for you to sample higher organic mattered soils that, that deep. So a lot of times it depends on the crop that's being grown. So a corn crop that roots are probably growing multiple feet underground, they have potential to reach subsoils that are higher in sulfate because it can be leached through the soil profile and then accumulate in that subsoil area. You've mentioned coarse soil. We know that soil types and growing conditions vary widely by geography. Do you have any recommendations for growers in specific geographies? Yes. So typically any crop that's being grown in a coarse textured soil, so maybe specifically the, the southeast, we suggest that the sulfur needs to be applied as close to plant uptake as possible. Now, much of the Corn Belt and the upper Midwest, there is potential for fall applications of, say, an elemental form of sulfur because you're not going to get those oxidation rates over the fall into winter time because the soils are cooled down. Also, the soils tend to be a little bit finer in texture or be higher in organic matter. So they have greater potential for holding on to the sulfur and not allowing it to leach. But again, the timing of fertilizer application depends a lot on the fertilizer source being used. So if you need the sulfur to be readily available, you would want to use something like an ammonium sulfate 
because the elemental form has to be oxidized to sulfate to become plant available. So if you're thinking about a fall application of an elemental form, again, those soil temperatures are going to cool down. You're not going to have the oxidation rates, but once the soils begin to warm up, it could potentially be available next spring. Okay. So say a farmer doesn't apply sulfur every year, but still continues to hit the high yields. What would you say are contributing factors to this? That's actually a great scenario that we are continuing to see year after year. And mainly it's due to, like we mentioned earlier, maybe the crop that's being grown is reaching those subsoil areas that are high in sulfur or even organic matter concentration within the soil. So organic matter, as it breaks down, or even crop residue as well, as it breaks down, that sulfur is converted to sulfate and is therefore plant available. Now, when we're conducting research, specifically for sulfur trials, we try to focus on soils that are at least below 3% organic matter because that organic matter can supply enough sulfur that we may not necessarily see a need for sulfur application. That doesn't mean that we're maximizing our yields. That just means that eventually the plant is utilizing enough sulfur that's supplied by the soil. The other reason why a farmer might not necessarily see a yield decrease if he's not applying sulfur is if he is irrigating. So we recommend that farmers test their irrigation water for sulfur concentration to make sure that they are supplying enough sulfur through the irrigation water and trying to determine their actual supplemental sulfur fertilizer rates. Now going back to the question of soil test sulfur and how it's used for making application recommendations, since there's not a good correlation, a lot of times we need to look at the whole picture. We need to look at soil organic matter, whether or not the irrigation water is supplying sulfur, and then also focus on what's being removed in the previous crop. So if I've got a 200 bushel corn crop, I'm looking at roughly 16 pounds of sulfur being removed. If I've got a 60 bushel canola crop, I'm at least removing, again, 16 pounds of sulfur. Those types of values can help me plan for one, what I've removed, and two, what at least I need to be applying this upcoming year to maximize production. It seems like it's a complex, it's a complex nutrient to manage. <laughs> it, it actually can be. The joke for some agronomist is, you know, they say it's not rocket science. Well, we say it's not soil science <laughs> because you have to have a good balance of everything and having balanced nutrition is key for crop production. So what would you say is the biggest concern for sulfur that I should have for sulfur applications? The biggest concern, I believe, is the potential for losses. So a farmer's number one goal is to apply the fertilizer and have the crop maximize it as much as possible. And that a lot of times is making sure that there's enough of a nutrient available whenever the plant is taking it up the most. We've actually looked at a lot of research looking at nutrient uptake by say a corn plant. Half of the sulfur that is needed for 
a plant to produce viable seed is taken up within the vegetative stage and half of it's taken up within the reproductive stage. That means that I need to make sure that I have enough sulfur or half of the sulfur that's needed later on in the growing season. And if my soil characteristics are so that I carry a high potential for sulfur losses, then I need to make sure that I'm applying a form that is plant available and that way I decrease my chances for loss because that's going to affect my, my economic return for that crop production. All right. And if our listeners have any other questions or want to learn more about sulfur application and deficiency, where can they find more information? Farmers can find more information at smartnutritionmst.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Preston. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To catch up on all of our other episodes, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts.